I thought you were going to say, and I was going to go tell you to go back and drive the three hours and go back and buy me one, uh, like one of the Seinfeld <laughs> minifig keychains. I was like, oh my gosh. That would have been amazing. <laughs> um, uh, all right, should we get going? Yeah, might as well. All right, yeah, might as well. I mean, we're, we're recording this on Father's Day, and the great thing, we kind of talked, we kind of touched on this in the last week's episode that, you know, you can't do anything on your spouse's birthday you know you have to spend the day with them and they get to make the decision about basically what you do but like that's a great thing about having your own day is like i can like i can do my podcast because i want to do that because it's and it's father's day and nobody can tell me oh but we have to spend father's day together it's like well i want to spend it podcasting and i'm the father so (laughs) (laughs) like i can spend as much time in here as i want (laughs) Um, but they they you know they do have stuff they want to do uh so welcome to no hugging no learning it's a show about one thing Watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 2, Episode 5, The Thong. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Shrimp Incident? We really, uh, we had a couple of pits of homework. Maybe the most of any episode so far. It hasn't uh, really, there hasn't (laughs) been a deluge of it like there was with Seinfeld. They play Guts when everybody goes to the poker game at Michael Fleisch... Fleischbaum, Heisenfleisch, something like that. Um, I forget. <laughs> Fleischman. Fleischman, I think it was. No, I, I really don't think that's it. <laughs> you know, I got it in here. Michael Fleischman? It's not. Okay, it's, the ice you, comes you, at the end, I think. You can keep going. I'll find it. Okay. So they play Guts, and neither of us had ever played Guts poker. So in two-card Guts, each player is dealt down two cards at the beginning of the deal, and two-card poker rankings apply, pairs over high cards. There are no straights or flushes in two-card guts, interestingly enough. Although I did see that some variants can, can play that way. Like, if, you know, I, I guess if you have two of the same, if you have a pair and they're only matching the suit, I guess you might win over a high card. Anyway, decide that before you start playing guts with your friends, whether you're going to count straights or flushes. <laughs> Each round starts with an ante. Then you're dealt the two cards... All players have a chance to say in or out, either at the same time or in turn. Because, you know, I I feel like that would affect whether you stay in or out or not. You know, I I like the idea of doing blind in and out. So some people say, like, all right, you put a chip in your fist if you want to stay in, or you have an empty fist if you want to stay out, and everybody shows their fist at the same time. Whereas (laughs) the way Larry – where, but I did see that, you know, you go around the table and say in or out. And in that case, the last person really has a great – because if everybody goes out, 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 then the last person just automatically wins. Um, mm-hmm. Or they can see, they're like, wow, there's five people staying in, and I really don't have the, that great of a hand, so I'm going to be out. It really gives a lot of information to that person in the last seat. Um, but I, yeah. I, did see, I did see the rules both ways, that you either go around the table or – and I guess you can shift that seat. So whoever is – you know, you shift the dealer, and the person next to the dealer, the person to the left of the dealer always – or the right of the dealer, whatever – always is the last one to say it so that way everybody gets a chance to sit in that that catbird seat as it were (laughs) um but it seems to me like the all the same time is the way to go and then if uh, the people who are left in have a showdown and so they all the people who are in flip over their cards and that's when they figure out a winner there's no raising as far as i can see but here's the here's why the pot in larry's game reached like over eight hundred dollars or whatever it was seven eight hundred dollars when the winner takes the existing pot after the showdown. Whoever has the best cards, when they flip them over, that's who wins. Then each loser puts an amount equal to the whole pot in. That forms the pot for the next hand. So 
If the pot oh, was okay. if the pot was five bucks, you got five people playing. The ante was a dollar for the first game, and three people stay in. One person receives the five dollar pot, and the two players have to add five dollars to the next pot, escalating the size of the pot for the next deal. So now the pot is ten dollars. <laughs> so say five people had stayed in, now the pot's uh-huh. going to be twenty five dollars. Like so, the the pot okay, can raise okay. exponentially each time you the longer you play. It's never going to go down, as far as I can tell. So, and everybody gets to play in the next round. The, the pot grows pretty quickly. It can double or more each round. And pots of 50 or 100 times the original ante are possible. So that's why it, uh, you know, the longer you All play, right. the more, yeah, the more people stay in. I guess maybe the pot. No, Sounds I guess the cool. We should, we should try and do, we should try and do a, a guts stream on Patreon. Virtual guts. Yeah, there's virtual there's like, guts. There's probably a, uh, a steam guts game right or some or some sort of way we could because i was I like what would we would we each have a deck of cards and we just like trust each other to, yeah to really i don't know i don't know how you would like even search for guts without it coming up as the uh nickelodeon, nickelodeon. game show yeah. with mike o'malley i did put i did put card game after it but uh <laughs> but yeah i mean there, there's got to be like a way to play on twitch like you download a poker app or something and, and you can select guts i think that sounds like a thing or you download a poker game on steam and you could play. We we probably could. We probably could. All right, uh, I'm checking Steam right now. Keep going. <laughs> um, well, I was gonna say uh, the oh, I'm just logged out. Purchase the Joe Biden tier on Patreon, and you can play guts with us. <laughs> yes, the, the twenty thousand uh, dollar. We ha- we still haven't decided if it's per month or one time payment. That's well, it's once a month. One a one time payment once a month. <laughs> one one time payment once a month. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that works. <laughs> Jesus it's a Christ. it's a monthly tier. Like we're gonna let you pay that. We're, you can stay on it as long as you want. But once you give we, it up, we need uh, swoop in. We are actively looking for a sugar mama mm-hmm. to uh, to pay us twenty thousand dollars per month. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, it's it's not going to be that great. Like we we still have to split that, so it's not going to be that great for us, you know. And then taxes. <laughs> oh, at the end of the year when we get the taxes, yeah, not not good. We also wanted to know if doctor-patient confidentiality does apply to dentists, as Mickey says to Cheryl that anything she says to him in that little cubicle is covered. So if she wants to talk about the domestic violence she's experiencing, presumably from Larry, as Mickey saw and 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 uh, at the poker game, she can do that. Via the Cornell Law School website, they say that doctor-patient confidentiality, just to lay it out there, is confidential communication between the doctor and the patient, that receives protection from disclosure in, in so if this is so on on one hand it's like ethics you know it's like i'm a do- i'm a, your doctor i'm not going to go around and tell everybody what what i know about you but it, it has been written into some laws and the statutorily created privilege between the physician and patient ensures that the patient can fully disclose confidential information regarding their illness without the fear of compromising their privacy hmm okay and this question has been asked on quora and a lot of people seem to agree that doctor-patient confidentiality does apply to dentists, but a lot of answers are not doctors or dentists. And I saw a lot of people conflating doctor-patient confidentiality with HIPAA, which see that's that was me last week. Well, yeah, and you even brought up the Hippocratic Oath, which HIPAA mm-hmm. probably was named after the the same homonym as you know it's HIPAA and Hippocratic are probably from the same family of you know but but hippocrates 
or Hippocrates, as probably someone who didn't grow up watching Bill and Ted would would call him. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess he was the guy that originally came up with that. But as absolutely no one on Facebook knows, HIPAA is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, a.k.a. the only thing Bill Clinton never passed that Republicans still love to this day. Um, and it was a a federal law that required the creation of national standards to protect sensitive patient health information from being disclosed without the patient's consent or knowledge between healthcare providers and health insurance entities. So that's it. Between healthcare providers and health insurance entities, not to the public. Yes, it does not restrict patients from receiving information about themselves, voluntarily sharing their health information however they choose. Uh, or if they disclose medical information to family members, friends, or other individuals, legally require anyone except covered healthcare entities to maintain confidentiality. So that's mm. why Joe, whoever it was, Joe Biden can get on stage at the correspondence dinner and say, hey, everybody from Fox News, guess what? You had to be vaccinated to be here. They're all vaccinated. And he can't be sued under HIPAA because he is not a healthcare provider nor a health insurance entity. Uh, so yeah, if, if you yeah. disclosed, yeah, it doesn't prevent anybody from asking you if you're vaccinated. It doesn't prevent you from telling anybody if you're vaccinated. There's a joke in there somewhere about Joe Biden not being a healthcare provider with how against <laughs> Medicare for all he is. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely not providing us healthcare. I he's mean, definitely let's, not. <laughs> let's get that straight. <laughs> Excellent. As soon Excellent, as you said man. that, I'm like, oh, oh, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> he is definitely not. A healthcare writer. So, uh, but this was not about HIPAA. This was about doctor-patient confidentiality. I just wanted to lay that out uh, on there. So, I found a law blog from <laughs> the Miller and Zoyce Law Offices, I think out of Baltimore, and they say a breach of doctor-patient confidentiality occurs whenever a doctor or someone in the doctor's office discloses or releases, releases patient information to a third party without the express consent of the patient. Other legal exceptions to the breach of doctor-patient confidentiality. So, uh, an exception to the confidentiality would include medical treatment of injuries that could relate to criminal conduct. So for instance, gunshot wounds, drunk driving, hit and run, or I would imagine domestic violence. I would imagine that, you know, I guess he wouldn't have to, well, I, okay. So I guess I wasn't really able to, I was able to answer the question that it does apply to dentists. Would Cheryl's situation apply to doctor patient confidentiality? If he found out Cheryl was being abused does he have a responsibility to disclose it to the police or does he or does it mean he waits until they ask him? But if they do, then he has to divulge the information. I don't know either way on that case, but I did find out that essentially everyone agrees that like dentists are medical professionals. This is an ethical question that applies to all medical professionals. So I, I guess the answer is yes. It still was a funny beat in the show where he was like, I, I think I think it does, <laughs> um, but so it's not just an MD thing. It's it's a it, it does cover it does cover dentists, but it's a it's a sticky legal area as you could hear. But by the way, um, this kind of reminded me that you know a lot of people loved screaming attorney-client privilege when certain things were being divulged over the past four or five years, and when attorneys and clients conspire to commit a crime, attorney-client privilege does not apply in those cases. A lot of people <laughs> did not know that. But it is it is true. So it might it, who knows? It might even come back up again. There's a lot of lawyers talking to various panels and things like that. I've heard so people might be screaming that again. So that's all the homework we had. Let's consult the book. Please rise from the shrimp incident in this episode. 
Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Larry David considered pitching her fictional sitcom idea for real, but ultimately decided against it. It's not a bad Uh, idea. And like I said, it kind of became, I feel like, the plot of the show episodes, but I never watched it. But it, it seems like there's things that match up there. A real guy who had a popular sitcom playing a fictional version of himself on the show. Alan Wasserman played Kramer's roommate on Seinfeld. Why do I not remember that? And why did it not come up? Kramer's roommate? Yeah, when did Kramer ever have a roommate? <laughs> I have no Am idea. Am I drawing now. a blank as well? I guess so. Alan Wasserman, Seinfeld. I guess so. See, I should. I guess I should start looking at these <laughs> ahead of time because he was on The Airport. He was in the episode The Airport, and he played somebody named... Oh, Grossbard. Okay, is that the guy that Kramer, um, he buys a ticket to get on the airplane to confront the guy about owing him $25 or something from like a million years ago? I think that's, I think that's the guy. Grossbard owes me. Do you remember that? And so he uses... No, uh, I have no recollection of this. He was supposed to pick up... They were supposed to pick up Jerry from the airport, but Kramer goes off on this side quest where... He sees a guy. He sees his old roommate who owes him money. And, oh, he, okay. And he uses. Yeah, so it's not his active roommate. It's not his no. current roommate. It's an old roommate. Okay. Yeah. And he uses George's. Oh, he owes him two hundred and forty dollars from twenty years ago. And he and George will buy tickets for the guy's flight and board it. And then Kramer will get the money back uh, and return the tickets. But they buy super economy tickets, which are not refundable. <laughs> and. Because the woman at the at the counter told him it was a good deal. So there we go. Wow. And, and that's Alan Wasserman, I guess. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus has known Larry David since 1984 when they both worked on Saturday Night Live. She said, I felt sort of a kindred spirit with him because he almost got into a fist fight with Dick Ebersole. And so did Brad, uh, Brad Hall, her then boyfriend and now husband, the year before. I really liked him for his anger, she said. <laughs> and Brad Hall organized the deck of cards so that they could repeat takes and everyone would get the same hand each time. So how nice of Brad Hall to do that for the uh, continuity director or set decorator, whoever would be in charge of that. What were they thinking? Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who's played herself in this episode, said, At one point, when I was yelling at Larry at the elevator post-pitch, Larry got the giggles and couldn't kind of take it. He said it was strange having me playing myself that the whole thing was kind of off-putting. Alan Wasserman, who played the HBO executive, said, My favorite moment as an actor. Oh, Ted, listen to this. My favorite moment as an actor was when I told Larry to take your $475 million and go buy yourself a shrimp boat. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Which I know you love. There had been an article in the New York Times that week listing how much everyone from Seinfeld was worth. And for real life Larry, this was a fucking nightmare. I think he loved that line because it helped him deal. I'm sure he has his own <laughs> mashugas about having all that money, but he's so open. <laughs> when you're in the heat of a good improv, you don't give a fuck. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I guess changing subjects. When we were doing the pitch of the series to HBO, I remember feeling very nervous as if I was pitching a real show. It was set up like a real pitch, and Alan Wasserman was sort of tense the way these executives get tense. Then I got tense, and I remember thinking, God, I'm kind of sweating. So if you've ever wanted to know what it's like in a, in a network pitch meeting, this was it. <laughs> a realistic portrayal, according to someone who's done it, been there, done that. And Sam Pancake, who played Michael Halbreich. That's a great name. Sam Pancake. I, I love that. <laughs> now, okay. Now, I see, I, I should do this ahead of time. But I like discovering <laughs> I like discovering things at the same time as, as everybody else in the book. I have to know what his real name is. 
Oh, it does not. Wow, he is he's he's erased his real name from unless <gasps> unless no, Sam I mean, Pancake is his real name. Yeah, it says his siblings were Chet Pancake and <laughs> Ann Pancake. <laughs> Sam's father, Joe S. Pancake, was a Presbyterian minister. His mother, Robin Pancake, was a high school teacher. Why would you go? Uh, maybe maybe she was a teacher before she got married, but like, why would you marry a guy named Pancake and then be a high school teacher and then spend your day around high school? Mrs. Kids? Pancake. Hey, Miss oh, Pancake. Wow. Oh, hey, hey, Miss. Hey, Miss Pancake. You know, like they're all saying, like, Hey, Miss Bacon. Hey, uh, Hey, Miss Waffle. You know. Hey, you, you know what Miss Pancake's uh, uh, husband doesn't like about her? She's so flat, like a pancake. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's just off the top of our heads. Imagine four years, like. <laughs> Like, oh Imagine four, uh, years four years of teenage a... boys <laughs> saying like all the imaginable insults. Oh my I have god! Four Any years to think of the best ones. pancake bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, so but Sam is also a distant relative of Brees DJ Pancake, who was an American short story writer. I guess his name is Blue on Wikipedia. So a, a lot of pancakes are Chet Pancake and Pancake and Brees Pancake are all I, Blue on Wikipedia. I think I like the name Chet Pancake better than Sam Pancake. <laughs> Me too. Chet makes Chet. everything better. <laughs> B- BRB, changing my radio name and my entire legacy to Chet Pancake. BRB, changing my brand to Chet Pancake. Well, you're going to have to fight. You know, you can't, be, you can't be in the Director's Guild, I can tell you that. If, you're, if your brand gets so big being Chet Pancake that you get a chance to direct a film, you're going to have to, you know, be Chet Tea pancake or something. Okay, well, I I can at the very least change my Twitter name to Chet Pancake. Yes, right. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see. Chet Pan has Chet Pancake done? I don't know. I mean, he's maybe known for his. He did a documentary called Black Diamonds, an exaggerate or examination of mountaintop removal mining that got a number of awards. So that might be his biggest deal <laughs> to date. I don't see. I don't. It looks like he's mostly in documentaries. So I don't see anything that might have. Anybody from Seinfeld or Curb in it that we will force ourselves Damn. to watch. Okay. <laughs> the Sam Pancake Ovier. Uh, but yeah, so all right. Shame on me for thinking this guy changed. Why would you change your name if you were born Sam? You were born for the stage, for crying out loud, <laughs> if you were Sam Pancake. But here's what he said about being in this show, playing Michael Halbreich, by the way. Uh, the force of the C word during the car game was truly there. When Larry said it, it felt really creepy and bad. And you could feel the energy in the room withdraw and everyone ice up. It felt beyond real acting. It felt real. I could also tell that people felt genuinely bad for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he we remarked at how he is on the verge of tears, like just staring off down at the table like after that happened. So but good for Larry for using that word with such realistic uh, force, I guess, and gravitas. Uh, so that is the that's the that's all from the book. So you may be seated. All right. Do we have any news or anything? No. Always check our Twitter. That's normally where we put all the good news. There's lots of good Dolly stuff going on. You know, the Dolly. Everyone's loving the Dolly app. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I I look at it like Wally because there's like a dash in between the two. So Dolly, (laughs) I don't know. See, I was thinking of it more like Pitbull. I was saying like, oh, yeah, Dolly. Dolly. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably not right. Dolly, Dolly. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, all of the the AI illustrations are are great. And to uh, me, Dolly is a play on Salvador Dolly because it is kind of. Um, oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, but it, but yeah, it's not spe- it's sense. not spelled that way. But I think it might be it. Yeah, but um, 
Also, I do have to mention, okay, uh, we should mention this. Jerry Seinfeld's Unfrosted, the Pop-Tart yes! story movie, some casting was announced, and it's absolutely incredible. Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Amy Schumer, Hugh Grant, and James Marsden, along with Jack McBrayer, Tom Lennon, Adrian Martinez from something called I, Gilbert, Bobby Moynihan, Max Greenfield from New Girl, and The Neighborhood, of course, but New Girl, come on, Christian Slater, and Sarah Cooper are all God in damn. this movie. I know. So as I said on Twitter, look for a review coming soon to a Patreon. We might have to do this on Maine just because it's Jerry Seinfeld himself. I, like, I think we're, we're going to have to. I at think it's going to have to be a Maine. At the very least, uh, a slimmed down version on Maine and the full unedited version on Patreon. Yeah. I mean, this call this calls for guest hosts. This calls for... Yeah, I mean, we it, it's it's a big I, deal I that we, Jerry is. I think we got to get the downvoter back for this. I, I think we might have to, yeah. And <laughs> so that that's absolutely huge. Also, um, the Independent said uh, Donald Trump's arguments against the evidence regarding January 6th are being dubbed the Costanza defense. In other words, <laughs> it's not a lie if you believe it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. And, but I said, but I, as I tweeted also, I, I think it's more, was that wrong? Should I not have done that? If anyone had said anything <laughs> to me at all when I first started, that that sort of thing is frowned upon, you know, because I've worked in a lot of offices. And I tell you, people do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think God. that's also part of the defense. So, um, yeah. So there you go. There's two bits of big, big news that, that happened that I'm glad we covered. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. Um, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Uh, both those links are in the description. There's a line in there that I miss, but I don't remember what it is. I feel like I'm off my, my train. There was, uh, despite already. the last 30 minutes... Oh, yeah despite, that, the, yeah, despite the last, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we're already past that. I mean, we, we are, what, let me pull up my my time. We are 30 minutes into this, and we have not <laughs> talked about uh, today's episode yet. But, <laughs> um, I, what, I mentioned the, the email, the I mentioned the Twitter. Um, if you would like to give us a five-star rating and a written review, help support the show, please. It really does help out. Uh, you can do that on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, give us the five star rating and a written review. If you give us a, if you take a screenshot of your review and you send it to us, we will send you a no hugging, no learning sticker free of charge. I honestly haven't done that in probably the last year. Um, I I know where they're at. I just I don't think I have any stamps, and I think that's the thing that's uh, gonna keep mm. me from doing it for another four months probably because you know stamps are so hard to come by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not with um, stamps.com, Ted. Go to stamps.com slash no hugging. <laughs> For absolutely nothing. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a 404 page, but there should be a link to actually go to the main website on that page. And we feel like if they might go, gosh, I guess we should ex- we should figure out what no hugging is. And then they'll throw us a sweet Marin deal. You know, that's gosh. what we want. <laughs> uh, you're you're cutting out. You're kind of staticky. I don't know if, oh, uh, if your if your connection is these are brilliant riffs. Son of a bitch. No, I'm, I, I, I can hear most of them. It, oh, good. It, it sounds like you're underwater a little bit. It's not yeah. the, the normal uh, disconnection that we normally get. But I'll, I'll keep going if you want to figure out like if all your connections are, are secure. Okay. Um, but if you would like to give us some money, 
if you like us a little bit more than just giving us a five-star rating and a written review, patreon.com slash nohugging is uh, where you can support us monetarily. Five bucks a month will get you early access to every single episode that we release, as well as clipped content from every episode and two movie reviews every single month. Uh, at the time of us recording this, we just released Problem Child 2 in <laughs> honor of Father's Day. It's the sequel that nobody wanted to the movie that nobody wanted us to cover. Yeah, we had no requests for this. <laughs> we had absolutely no requests. We put ourselves through hell for nothing. Um, but I would say Problem Child 2 might be one of my favorite reviews that we've done because oh, it was nice. it, it, it was it was really fun to talk about. I highly recommend checking that out. And I mean, what what else are you gonna do with five bucks nowadays? Yeah. You can't even buy a gallon of gas for that in most places. Truth. But all that being said, oh wait, I, actually before I continue on i do want to give a shout out to our new patron over on patreon because we had someone new sign nice. up yeah we had tanaka underscore tanaka sign up awesome uh, that, that that's their name on patreon i don't want to dox them by giving out their email uh sure. but i mean also shout out to uh, tamara to the idiotville podcast joshua steen uh your dad john murphy Yay. will hall uh danica Legorio, which uh, I believe is we had someone one of our regular listeners message us and say, "Hey, she's the owner of the Patreon account in the household." Oh, right, um, right. Yeah, those are my neighbors, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick Kudla, Don Queso, Nate Collins, your mom, Kathleen Murphy, <laughs> and uh, Megan Stolarski. Uh, all thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. Oh God. Okay. With all that being said, season two, episode five, the thong. Original air date, October 21st, 2001. And if you are looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry and Richard Lewis plot to end their relationships with a shrink after Larry sees the dock in a thong. I, it gives a lot away. I wonder if we can make it better at the end. We will certainly try. We open in a therapy session with Larry and the therapist. And the, what Larry is choosing to talk about, we really don't know what the perfect sneaker color is and he says it's gray because oh my God, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not it won't get dirty like a white shoe i think that's what he doesn't like about white but if it's black you know that just seems too much like a, a shoe like a dress shoe not a sneaker and so that's why he's like right in the middle gray is is the way to go <laughs> and the therapist kind of redirects him to talk about his actual life and one of the things is is cheryl his marriage he's like you know we're just we just don't do enough together you know she doesn't like to play golf and I don't like to play tennis and that's, you know, so what can we do? And the therapist suggests, you know, getting outside in some way. How about take her to the beach? And Larry was like, oh my gosh, well, if I offered to take my wife to the beach, she'd be ecstatic. She'd be so shocked and happy. And so he's like, he decides that that's what he's going to do. In the waiting room, Larry runs into Rob Reiner. Did you recognize this guy? You recognize this yeah, guy, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. You want to know how I recognized him? Let me you don't know Let how me I know yes, who I'm, Rob Reiner is and how be I know what he looks like. He's got to be in something like heavyweights. Like, is he? In? It, it, it's actually not from a Disney movie. I okay. know who Rob Reiner is, and I know what he looks like from the David Spade movie, Dickie Roberts' former <laughs> child star. I can't believe he got Rob Reiner for that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No Amazing. joke. No joke. <laughs> oh, I believe you. I knew it was going to be 
something awful. Not that I shouldn't badmouth heavyweights like that. It's uh, I remember I remember I had friends that loved that movie and and so I kind of discovered it in college and I was like, yeah, it's pretty funny. It gives that movie gives good Ben Stiller. I don't know if you've ever seen Heavyweights. It's it's good. Uh, actually, oddly enough, I think the guy from this show is maybe that's why it was on my brain. I think he's in heavyweights. Anyway, um, so Rob Reiner asked him to be a part of a celebrity auction they're doing for Groats syndrome, this benefit for this uh, syndrome that that makes people very hyperactive. It feels like you're you've drank five cups of coffee at all times. And he's like, you know, uh, people are auctioning off a chance to have lunch with them. So someone would have lunch with you. And Larry feels like that's a lot of pressure, not only thinking that no one will bid. And he's like, no, you're the guy you created Seinfeld. You're that guy. And Larry's like, no, it's going to be 50 cents. But also if so, when he does, when someone does win and he has to go to lunch with them, now he has to entertain them. He has to match that level of payment with entertainment. Yeah. But eventually he agrees. He agrees to, to be a part of the auction, mainly when the therapist comes out like a teacher who like yeah, like like yeah, two students they, talking in the hall? <laughs> we get like a a few really good examples of this through the episode where whoever or whatever the two people in the lobby are talking about, whenever the therapist comes out, they just either stop or they switch topics immediately. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in the bathroom, Larry is in there finishing up, and the therapist comes out of a stall, and they're washing their hands together, and Larry attempts some small talk about, yeah, you know what. I, I think I'm going to take Cheryl to the beach. I think Santa Barbara. I think that's going to be fun. That's a good time. And the therapist is just completely silent. I wish they had revisited this because it seems to me like they could have just driven the joke home a little bit more. Yeah. I, I thought the joke was going to be like, well, what? He only wants to talk to me whenever I'm paying him. And I think that is the joke, but it it doesn't, you know, it, yeah. we're left to figure that out. And it's not as funny, me figuring it out. It'd be funnier if he complained later, like, even just mentioning it to Jeff, who's not in this episode, by the way. How weird is that? You know, like my my oh, therapist, yeah. just just something to connect to the next scene. Like they're sitting down at lunch. He's like, yeah, and then he, he wouldn't talk to me. He's like, you you think he won't talk to you unless you're paying him? Yeah, I yeah. think that's what it was. I, that's I mean, it. That's I, all we need. I know we come up with a lot of better ideas for the episodes <laughs> in this show, uh, yeah. especially for the movies we review on Patreon. Yes. But I don't watch this show for me to come up with better lines and better jokes yeah. you know don't make me write the show yeah, I, it's like... I, I don't i don't watch a show for me to write a better episode of the show yeah f- do the finish the job like if you set up a joke just finish it he was silent like we we get it but i'd really appreciate you saying i need to hear it from you i need a verbal confirmation that that was the joke otherwise it doesn't land you know it didn't land back at over at home at home cheryl is ecstatic about the fact that he even asked her to go to the beach she can't wait and to larry he might as well have asked her do you want to go to mars because he has the same information <laughs> about going both places he's like what it, so uh what do uh what do i need for the for the beach what is like already he's like just his brain has short-circuited like what do you what do you a towel a, a swimsuit suntan lotion like Yes, Larry. Why is this so hard? Why is life so hard for you? You don't know how to wrap a package. You don't know what it takes to go to the beach. <laughs> like it is, uh, he has the same level of information. And Cheryl, you know, being the great wife that she is, is like, you don't worry about a thing. I'll take care of everything that we need for the beach. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, speaking of beach, where's the ocean? Where's this ocean front view that their house had? when they looked at it and now it's gone. <laughs> I, I want this. I want to, I want to see the ocean. I want proof of ocean from this location. 
because uh, I don't know what's going on. We haven't seen it since they moved in. Uh, so they go to the beach on what looks like the coldest, shittiest day in su- in Southern California history. Yeah, Did you oh my get God. that feeling? Yeah. I was chilly watching it. <laughs> it's windy. It's cloudy. Yes. The waves are like, the water is choppy as hell. Like you would drown. There's got to be like six undertoes the second you put a, a leg in. Like, whoa, I got it. It looks like you'd get swept under Im- immediately. It looks like the worst possible day. I don't know when they filmed this, but, you know, I, di- I didn't know Southern California had days like this. Uh, but, you know, you, you set up to film, you got to film. Uh, Larry doesn't even have his his bathing suit on. Uh, he's shocked that so that's it again. Like Larry was confused about when you do that. He's like, "Where do I put this on?" Cheryl's like, "You didn't, you don't have your you bathing suit." Like, yeah. yeah. He's like, "What are you wearing yours?" She's like, "Yes, that's what you do when you go to the beach." Um, and so <laughs> like, he's like, "I thought well, it would be uncomfortable." <laughs> that's part of it. And so he's like, "Well, you know, I'm not going in the water. What do I need it for anyway?" But Larry is like covered head to toe. Yeah, he's wearing like <laughs> a very baggy. Uh, like crew neck he's wearing long pants it looks like it it looks like this is the outfit you're wearing if you're working out in the yard in (laughs) southern california on a sunny day um yeah or on the shittiest day of the year because he's got a crew neck on and like i don't know maybe it does get cool enough for that during the day but i think he has a shirt on under his sweatshirt too it's like (laughs) he is uh, yeah he really doesn't understand the assignment and he, he struggles with the supplies, getting him to the actual beach from the car. On the beach, Larry, he puts a sunblock on his head, which is because it's the only part of his body that's not covered. But then he just puts a hat on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, if, if uh, he, say, he, he hypothesizes that Jews are responsible for the purchase of 90% of all the sunblock, I would say the other 10% is redheads then. Because mm. it's something also that, that my wife keeps in. Great supply, like doomsday. I, era. I, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. She and well, she what, applies what it every SPF? half hour. What SPF? I don't even know. Whatever the highest is, I don't I, even know. I've had SPF 100 before. Yeah, oh my god! And and I, I think that's for like people who have never been out in the sun <laughs> a day in their lives. So you burn pretty easily. I don't. I just oh. did. I I mean. I, I do, yeah. but whenever I bought SPF 100, I just didn't know what level of SPF <laughs> to buy, so I bought the highest available, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Sure. I don't, you don't need anything that high. <laughs> yeah. I have heard there's a level that anything above it doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't know what the number is, but... It's probably like <laughs> 35 or 40. Yeah, probably something like that. Larry spots his therapist in this tiny striped Speedo at the beach in front of them eh, i've seen smaller <laughs> yeah yeah i i agree it, it looks more like because it didn't look like a speedo i don't know what it looked more like what a it, male stripper it, would wear maybe it, it was just a it was just a, a a thonged swimsuit i wouldn't i wouldn't call this a speedo either yeah yeah but it a, had, a speedo is much skimpier yeah i guess so but it yeah speedo looks more like underwear briefs this more looked more like a I, i'd call it a banana hammock i think that'd be the the proper term Hmm. Um, maybe maybe so it's he doesn't even see it from the back cheryl does and it is a thong like his hairy ass crack is out at the (laughs) beach and before we leave this scene did you catch the god-awful adr oh whenever larry's face down in the blanket yes yeah (laughs) yeah he wants to get what he says though he wants to leave and cheryl's like no well first of all he's gonna see you leaving 
he, you know, that's going to cause a commotion or something. But, and she's he's like, so I just stay like this the whole time. So he has to stay face down at the beach. And, but on the ADR, it's so bad. It, and you can see that his mouth is not moving because his head's not turned totally towards the ground. So you can see his mouth not moving. And it's such obvious ADR. It seems like wonder years level inner monologue. It seems oh like, my God, cause he goes like, well, that's it for this therapist. Now the question is, do I tell Richard Lewis or not? He asks himself like a rhetorical question. I'm like, is this Larry's inner monologue? Is this like his inner Kevin McAllister? Like, not McAllister. What is? This? I forget. Uh, I forget the Wonder Years kid. But is this his inner Daniel Stern? That's who did the voiceover. Is this we're like t- his? Him we're taking thinking? some creative liberties in season two. Yeah, start yeah. Halfway through the season. Oh, hey, yeah. Let's uh, let's experiment with Larry's inner monologue. Or maybe they're pulling a problem child where the inner mo- the there's an intermittent inner monologue like that, oh that just God. comes and goes like. Wait, he's going to do that? Not on my watch. Or whatever. Yeah, like, oh, that's a good idea. We can use intermodel. It doesn't have to be a device that we constantly use. We can just confuse the audience and bring it up, you know, whenever they've forgotten about it. Every once in a while. (laughs) Every once in a while. By the time they've forgotten about it, we can do it again and take them completely out of the movie. Good idea. (laughs) Let's do that. Directed by, I forget who, Robert Stanson, whatever the guy's name was, (laughs) that did Problem Child 2. Or Problem Child. Uh, Not the same director, though. So over at Richard Lewis's, he is telling him about seeing Dr. Weiss. We have the therapist's name now. Seeing Dr. Weiss in the thong at the beach. And Richard says this is, and I'm guessing no exaggeration, his 28th therapist since 1969. (laughs) Yeah, goddamn. I'm guessing that's no exaggeration. Yeah, he and Larry are, like, joking about, like, how long it takes to just do Richard's, like, whole (laughs) get-to-know-me spiel and he's like oh three to six months that's just the crib that's just the crib <laughs> that was a great line and then he starts going into it he's like you know boy uh, anxiety is a kid and depression and then it became an uh, alcoholic and larry's like you don't have to do it now you don't have to do it now <laughs> <laughs> but they're like how do you quit how can you quit a therapist what do you do i mean we, we need a we need a game plan we need to think of something let's go to lunch and talk about it richard says but larry can't go to lunch because today he has to go have lunch with the person who won the auction yeah, this was this was kind of this was a good great line from Richard where he's like, well, yeah, I was I was auctioned off for this charity and Richard goes auctioned off. What is this roots? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! Oh, happy Juneteenth! We're recording this. Yeah, on Juneteenth, happy too. Juneteenth, Tim. <laughs> yes, but um, we're also uh, but also I mean Richard Lewis surely has heard of like a bachelor auction and celebrity auctions. That that was just I mean it was a funny line, but Richard playing playing dumb. He's out of the top of his inte- intelligence for that joke. I'll say. Uh, but but uh, Larry did pull in $4,000 for lunch with him, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, goddamn. Yeah, not bad. So over at L.A. Farm, which we saw in the last episode and we saw in a previous episode, uh, which uh, maybe the pants tent, I forget. But it's we've oh, no, this the is the third episode we've seen L.A. Farm. Yes, the bra- it was also in the bracelet. So that's where I did the dive on it. And Larry meets John Tyler, who won the auction. And this is the guy that I swear my, I'm, I'm going to put this down for homework next week. Who was the actor? John Tyler actor, because I recognize him. Do you recognize him? Yeah, he looks familiar, but yeah. I'm not sure who he is. This looks like he's probably just another character actor, but I'm, I'm curious to see where I saw him from. Maybe heavyweights, I don't know. But Larry is being, and I put this in quotes, entertaining. <laughs> like, Larry <laughs> turning on the entertainment is not good. Like, first no. he talks about how he was named after the president. Even the guy, Even though the guy insists several times he was not it's just a family name i was not named after president john tyler uh larry brings up do you ever think about your parent did you ever see your parents having sex when do you think they did it he starts oh, playing okay. yeah 
Okay, so Tim, I know you said you were going to look this up for homework, but I I looked up his IMDb, and I just need to tell you right now, because we already brought up the movie that you recognize him for. It is Heavyweights, isn't it? It is Heavyweights. Tom McGowan played Pat Finley, the adult, like, counselor. Yeah, he's the main dude. Yeah, Yeah, he's the main, like, like, former camper turned counselor in Heavyweights. Yeah, I... (laughs) (laughs) i had a feeling that must have been why i pulled it where why it essentially came out of thin air earlier because when i saw that guy i was like i'm thinking heavyweights and so it manifested "Mm, itself earlier why am i thinking heavyweights i'll just say heavyweights yeah Yeah. exactly i I had a feeling so but i I know i've seen him in other stuff so we will still do a a shallower dive on, (laughs) on him next week he starts playing the salt and pepper shakers he talks about organ donation and how he would donate his penis he talks about whether the syndrome was named after Dick Grote from the Pittsburgh Pirates or not. And he's, and I love that he tells the guy who has it, or, or at least is more familiar with it than Larry. He's like, well, it's named after the doctor that discovered it. You sure? Pretty sure. You know, that'd be like someone telling my wife, like, oh, no, it's old timer's disease. Because old people, I'm pretty sure it's... Pretty, uh, pretty sure it's Alzheimer's. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Are you, and then asking, are you sure? Yeah, but <laughs> p- pretty sure... So it is at this point that I had to look up whether Grote syndrome was real, whether it was named after a doctor, whether Dick Grote was real. The verdict is Grote syndrome is fake. Ah, okay. Dick Grote is real. He was a real uh, Pittsburgh Pirates player. <laughs> so that's. I wonder. I, I, w- I wonder if they found an old baseball player and then made a uh, fictional disease based on his name. Because think, of oh. the line that Larry gives, saying like, "Well, how was I supposed to know? Lou, Lou Gehrig has a disease named after him." <laughs> yeah, which isn't even Lou Gehrig's disease. It's what ALS, right? I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't think when the, they the, the discovered nickname it, they is Lou it. Gehrig's disease. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he was just such a, a, a an iconic figure at the time that had it and, and that had it. Yeah, yeah, and it raised <laughs> such awareness. It'd be like if if I don't know Madonna got some you know unknown a disease and we'd call it the madonna syndrome or whatever but yeah so but I, I i'm gonna guess that's what it is they wanted to come up with a fake disease they wanted larry to have a dumb line about it and they so they picked dick grote from the pittsburgh pirates <laughs> and he thought it was named after dick grote because he was kind of a frenetic player and kind of frantic and kind of all over the place like somebody who might have grote's disease or syndrome i mean uh but john tyler is obviously not having fun throughout this whole lunch i mean we, we even get like a little time jump a little time fade in there where larry is be quote unquote being entertaining and i just love that like as an entertainer when he turns it on for the common man it's different from what he thinks is entertainment when he gets on stage you know it's like yeah. that that's the entertaining larry whatever this is you're like a, being a, a clown or something like if you know it's it's just funny that he doesn't connect the two like oh how do i be entertaining well let me think about what i do when i entertain don't do that just be <laughs> as it just just riff on everything just everything's an improv starter you know oh here's something it's like it's like he's playing that whose line is it anyway game with all the props you know where like you just pull something out and and you, you act like whatever it is like that's entertainment baby uh and then larry gets his food first and the waiter says that john's will be out in a few minutes and larry asks if he minds if he starts and john says yes he doesn't want him to start and Larry thinks that's kind of weird, and I definitely agree with Larry in this case. I- I've never heard anyone say the the standard line is, "Oh no, please go! Oh my gosh, go ahead! Yeah, don't wait for me, man." Uh, <laughs> and they argue whether what's impolite versus polite. And <laughs> although I do like John Tyler's semantic argument, like we're supposed to have lunch 
together. <laughs> like, if you know, and Larry's like, that doesn't mean we eat at the, well, we have to eat at the exact same time. We have to start at the exact same time. But I did love that. Uh, we have to eat together. Uh, back over at the therapist's office, Larry runs into Rob Reiner again, who is, they've switched appointments. So Rob Reiner comes out of the office before Larry, and he heard about the bad launch. The guy's going to cancel his $4,000 donation, which is whack, by the way. Like, oh, you don't like what you got at the silent auction? You're going to cancel your donation to, that's, that's to me is crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised that the foundation wouldn't have cashed the check already, too. Because, yeah, like, really. what, what is the time that has elapsed between the auction, the lunch, and this, uh, th- this meeting between Larry and Rob? I would guess one week. I think this is one week later. You know, you go to well, therapy weekly. Yeah, well, that's definitely enough time for them to cash a check. Yeah, yeah. I think overnight would be, would be enough time. Like, you take those right to the bank. Like, Monday morning after the gala, you go to the bank with, those, with that check. Uh, which is, but it's also whack to cancel a, a charity donation anyway. It's like, yeah, oh, I didn't God. get what I wanted out of it, but at least it went to a good cause. Like, no, I'm canceling my $4,000, uh, especially because it seems like his daughter, spoiler alert, has Groats disease for crying out loud. Um, I think it's, uh, Syndrome, oh, Ro- I mean. Rob's, Rob's daughter. No, no. Jo- the guy who wrote the check, John Tyler's daughter. Uh, I think it's his niece. I think oh, okay. I think they bring it up at lunch that it's oh, his niece. Okay. My niece has it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But still a family member for crying out yeah, loud. Yeah, but still. <laughs> Uh, so in the therapist's office, Larry says, you know what? I got some news. I'm all better. I'm feeling pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty good. We, so we get another pretty, pretty, which is great. And so he's terminating, uh, which I guess it, it sounds like the term for when you leave therapy because they they mentioned it, it come, that that line came up again somewhere else where like, um, you know, it's it's time to terminate or something like that. But um maybe when he's talking to richard outside where he's like i'm uh, no rob reiner outside and he's like i'm a, i'm at 100 percent. I'm, I'm all better i'm cured i'm terminating um so but larry says i'm terminating i'm the terminator and he lies about being at the beach he's like i, I didn't go to the beach and because the therapist wants to make sure that larry's leaving for the reason he says he is but the therapist knows he was there at the beach and asks if this is because of the thong but larry you know sticks by the fact that it's not whatever you're saying it's because i'm all better i like they're arguing about whether larry is agitated or ebullient no i'm i'm ebullient you've never seen me ebullient what a great word to pull out God. i've never <laughs> heard this word before in my life <laughs> i know it's a french origin because there's lots of l's and i-e-n-t and and all that stuff um but i yeah it, I, I loved i loved pulling out a random obscure vocabulary word like ebullient to uh to, uh, in a conversation like this and like whether these are mood swings or whether it's more like the swing of a hammock a very placid swing no i'm like i'm swinging like a hammock <laughs> that's very peaceful um i like that in the waiting room larry runs into richard lewis and larry says he's on to us he knows it's because of the thong and richard starts panicking as, and then he panics even more well he so larry guesses that john tyler must have told rob reiner about the thong story because larry told it at lunch and then rob told the therapist and Richard Lewis is also mad that Larry stole his excuse that he's happy now. And so Larry suggests, I think this is brilliant, especially for someone like Richard Lewis. Tell him you're getting into Scientology. Scientologists <laughs> do not believe in, in, in therapy or analysis in this way. And for someone like, like for Richard, someone like Richard Lewis to say he's happy now, that's, that would raise a red flag with me as a therapist Just for someone like Richard Lewis to say, I'm getting into Scientology, no red flag at all. 
I think that was a brilliant <laughs> excuse from Larry. I, I, I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't have used it himself. It's so good. This was one, maybe my favorite line of the whole show uh, episode. Larry, as he's leaving, starts trying to set Richard up for that line. Go, what's the name of that book again? Battlestar Galactica? I'm going to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, what he's thinking of is Battlefield Earth, which was famously the famous sci-fi novel, novel written by L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, of Scientology, and and as Larry mentions, like it's a movie too, right? A book and a movie, Battlestar Galactica. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. Thanks for telling me about it. <laughs> <laughs> but Larry, but Richard Lewis is not going with the Scientology route. He because he starts telling the therapist he's happier than he's ever been in his whole life. Over at Lincoln Middle School, which is real, this totally looked hmm. like a CGI building, but it's the actual exterior at 1501 California Avenue in Santa Monica. And get this on niche. So, like, uh, you know, if you're looking at school districts, niche is a is the site to do it on. You know, that they have a, a, a good breakdown on every school district in, in the nation. <laughs> on niche, they have an A-plus rating. Their student-teacher ratio is 23 to 1, which seems pretty okay. good. They are the second best public middle – they have the – they're number two for the best public middle school teachers in California. Number two. Wow. In the state? Yeah. Holy uh, shit. In the whole state, as far as public middle schools, they are number 21. They're the 21st best public middle school in California. And out okay. of out of 3,039 middle schools, they're number 503 when it comes to being the most diverse. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But despite all of that, their proficiency ratings, only 65% of students are proficient in math and 78% in reading, which seems like the reading is one thing. The math hmm. still seems kind of low for an A-plus yeah. school. To have that kind of uh, average proficiency. But then when I looked, uh, so Niche also gives you other information like the median home value in this township is $1.2 million. So <laughs> you better have an A-plus school for those taxes that you're paying on your yeah, for sure. median, Christ. the median home value. Oh, and the teacher salary at Lincoln Middle School is- $30,000. <laughs> uh, try hundred and five. Which is still very low for that area. I guess so. Sounds pretty good, though. <laughs> it, it, would... it, sound, it sounds pretty good for Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's just, that, that's incredible. Um, but maybe it is on the poverty line in, in uh, Santa Monica, wherever this is. So it's the talent show. Uh, Rob Reiner said the guy was going to cancel his check unless Larry, you know, does something for the community, like host this talent show for the Groat Syndrome. Uh, and... Larry is hosting the talent show. He's being a little charming. Like, this is entertaining. Now he's being yeah. entertaining. Yeah, and I know? I know this is, like, Larry, like, obviously turning it on, obviously doing, like, fake bits yeah. for the sake of this crowd. But, you know, that's a telethon, you know? That's what you do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he, come, he comes out and says, like, you know, I talked with our scientists in the Groats Syndrome laboratories, and they said <laughs> once they figure out a cure – Baldness is next, so bald yeah. people, we're next up. I'm like, that's that's a perfect telethon joke. Yeah, get some great chuckles from the crowd. But like, why is Larry turning it on like this so different from Larry turning it on for John Tyler? If he maybe had just done this. Maybe it's because he's on a stage and he's yeah. in front of a crowd and not just one-on-one. -on -one yeah, it's just funny lunch. He, doesn't, he doesn't make the connection between the two. You know, it's like... Being entertaining on a stage and being entertaining one on one are, are two different things, and I, you know, I'm never going to make the connection between the two of them. Uh, so out comes Melanie Tyler, who, as you mentioned, is John Tyler's niece, and she's playing uh, for Elise, 
uh, I think by by Beethoven. Dark, so that's one that goes but she starts having a groats episode and so she starts playing it very fast and starts missing notes and it, it's sounding very dissonant so larry makes a decision to pull her off quite literally because she won't leave even after he like, like gives him a round of applause and she won't leave and he, he like pulls her off of the bench and they start fighting and that's when frolic starts up well, she socks him in the face too. Yes, she does. We, she we, we get a really good stage punch. And... Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, then the episode just kind of ends. <laughs> yeah, and again, like the, they, a lot of them end this way, where it's like, well, what happened? You know, what, can you tell us what happened? You know, like how did this affect? <laughs> how did this end up? You know, I feel like this is not. We don't get any falling action. We get a climax, and then we get no falling action in any of these episodes. It's like we want a little resolution. You know. But not that's not the name of the game. We better get comfortable with just Larry in the middle it, of something yeah, it, awful. It, it, it builds and builds and builds, and then we are just left with blue balls. Yeah, exactly. There's no there's no cuddling at the end, for crying out loud. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, by the way, did you notice the first title card directed by Jeff Garland? So I guess no, maybe that's... I didn't notice that. I guess maybe okay. that's why he wasn't in this one, because he, you know, he didn't want to double, double duty. Just wanted mm. to focus on the directing, yeah, so... Interesting. Um, yeah, and that is the end of the episode. All right. Well, what do we have for homework then? The actor that played John Tyler. Where else have we seen this great man? Oh, we got besides that done already. Heavyweights. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, no, well, yeah, I mean, besi- besides, besides heavyweights. heavyweights. Yeah, besides okay. the great heavyweights. I'm sure I recognize okay. him from something else. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, damn. Else. All right. Yeah. We, we already All found right. out Groat Syndrome is fake. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Oh, um, please don't put that man's hairy ass on our on our title card. Oh, <laughs> damn. Our okay. <laughs> I mean, at least not him bending over to sit down. I mean, <laughs> I, I'd be okay with him. I'd be okay with that shot, just of uh, just of his pasty ass cheeks, but no crack. As little crack as you can get in there. <laughs> Unless, I mean, is there anything else that uh, that we that well, you could think of that? As as I was watching it before I knew it was the end of the episode, uh yeah. Larry and Melanie Tyler brawling on the stage. I thought like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a great cover art, and then Frolic starts. I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Once again, the last the, scene is usually pretty the good. The last scene, yeah. yeah. I, I I hate doing the last scene as as the cover <laughs> art, but Yeah. It's the best in most situations. Yeah, that or the titular scene, which which would be the thong. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can make work. All right. Um, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had Larry and Richard Lewis plot to end their relationships with a shrink after Larry sees the dock in a thong. I think everything from after you can drop and we're and we're and we can stick with that. What do you think? Larry and Richard Lewis plot to end their relationships with a shrink period. Right. I mean, yeah, it doesn't give away the whole plot. I mean, is I don't know if it's exciting but i mean that that something's gonna happen that that people yeah, who have I'll, gone I'll... to therapy would would probably struggle with i, I mean i know just because like every um every better help ad says you can change your therapist anytime you want and no one will ever know or get mad or anything and i'm like well that must be a big deal then when people have to change therapists yeah you know? i i would bet you know yeah so i i think that adds a lot i think that raises enough stakes and we don't have to ruin the reveal that the doctor is going to be wearing a thong because that's funny that's a funny reveal yeah, I, I I like that. Just drop drop everything after after yeah. or a- after shrink, not after after. <laughs> yes, and make sure when you go to BetterHelp.com after it is slash no oh hugging, God. and your first twelve years are free. 
12 years. <laughs> God damn. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Well, Tim, did you like this episode? Uh, I mean, yes, but it, it was not a, it was an, I would say maybe even below the baseline. It was a below average episode. I had a good time mm-hmm. as I always do. I don't think I'm going to watch a bad episode of Curb, but it, like not much happens. Usually we have a, a few threads that even come together, but, but these were two separate storylines that Larry's living. So yeah. it wasn't as connected as I liked them to be. And it was a lot of Larry and, and I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it was a below average episode for me. What did you think? I am going to say the same thing. I, I I'm not going to give it a star. Yeah. I thought it was very slow at yeah. points. Yeah. That's what I meant. Like it, it seems like there wasn't enough plot to, to make an episode, you know, even though we had two storylines going on, it seems like more happens in every other episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And this was really just about one thing, you know, <laughs> and we didn't even really feel the need to put the lunch in the description. Yeah. So it would, it not a star, even below my star low rating system. Wow. All <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> All right. Well, next week we've got season two, episode six, the acupuncturist. Original air date, October 28th, 2001. Don't know why they didn't do the trick-or-treat episode here. Um, Uh, If you're going to do a trick-or-treat episode, why do it at the beginning of October? (laughs) But if you're looking at TV Guide the night of October 28th, you are going to see an acupuncturist agrees to waive his $5,000 fee if he can't cure Larry's back problems. Whoa. Now that sounds exciting. Yeah, I like that. That sounds like a great tease. The stakes are already, yeah. Yeah, you're wondering what are Larry's back problems. Yeah, he's, he's like, never he's never exhibited back problems so far. Yeah, and five and five grand. Like now we've got a we've got a five grand bet on the line. I mean, this is yeah. What a, they finally got their act together. They fired their old synopsis writer and and finally got a good <laughs> finally got a good teaser in there. So all right, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I hope it lives up to this tease. I'm sure we'll be back to the bullshit on episode seven. It'll just be like, no one agrees with Larry or something. <laughs> no one agrees with Larry's principled stand. Like, what? <laughs> Larry doesn't be. understand social cues. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's every episode. Yeah. Larry's never been to a certain location and is confused when he gets there about how to act. Like, what? What? <laughs> no, don't. Don't do that to us. <laughs> so... Yes, we're we're excited. This is I, and I don't and I, this is not an episode that rings a bell. So I'm going in almost complete. Maybe it'll you know cool. Maybe cool. It'll become clearer when it when I'm in the moment. But yeah. So all right, is that it? That is it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.